Hello, hi listeners of the Vast Alliance Prophetic Spiritual Warfare Channel. How are you today? I just came out of a very spirit-filled meeting where the believers of God, the true church, the new wine, the remnant, whatever you call it, we just have such a good time worshipping God, getting words of knowledge and flowing in the prophetic. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are really starting to see the break away of those who have been hidden by God, of those who sincerely seek God and who have encounters and spent a lot of time being disciplined, being brought up, being trained by God, we are starting to see them emerge from all countries, all nations. And it's such an exciting and energizing thing to see such a special moment as we see people of different giftings, different strengths, different temperaments, but they all bring with each of us a heart that love God, a sincere heart that wants to be obedient to God. And I want to jump on right away as the anointing is still there, the flow is still there to distribute, to spread some of that movement of the Holy Spirit to you. And you know, when I recorded my last podcast on the shaking of the church, I did not expect that there are so many people out there that feels resonant with the topic. I do not know where you come from. I do not know whether you have been a long time being at the church or you have gone to a church and you have left the church. But I was just amazed that the message resonated with so many people. I think when there is a movement of God like this, you can't quench the movement of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to teach you something that I taught my online community. A part of the Bible passage that God showed me a few weeks ago, and that was my learning. And I want to share it with you because I feel that it's important for us to examine the Bible and see what has happened in the past and to understand what kind of reactions, what kind of shaking that we may face, we may encounter, and perhaps we may even be one of those people that was mentioned in the Bible as God does this sifting. Our story in Judges 8 starts with an ordinary man or woman. He was just like you or me. We are not anybody powerful or anybody grand or anybody filthy rich. We are just an ordinary person, right? But being Christian, we can see that in the last few recent years, there has been a speeding up of certain events and a build-up of certain trends, climate and culture, that things are not going well for Christianity. So God is shaking up His church 
to meet the needs of the future generations' challenges uniquely in that time and space. So many of you that are listening, you may have received the word from God. You may have dreamed a dream, had a vision, or had some inner promptings that God is trying to tell you something. And because of those convictions, you may have tried to share what God taught you to people around you, but you were rebuffed. You may have even tried to bring it up to your pastor in church or your Christian friends, but no one is really paying much attention to you or listening to you because you are so out of the norm. You're not following the allocated and structured schedules, the program, the steps, the regulations, the man-made structures, the good ideas. So for the people who hears from God and who are motivated by God, they want to do what God asked them to do. But they are not able to fulfill what God asked them to do because of all these man-made structures or strictures or culture around them. And that's the shaking and that's the tension. If you're trying to explain about God to non-Christians, you can kind of understand because they don't know God. That's why they have not received God as their personal savior. But it becomes particularly hurting when you're trying to explain about God to Christians in the churches. And knowing about God should be an expert topic of Christians, right, in churches. Or so you think. But over the years, over traditions, how many of man-made ideas and structures and strictures have come into place to contaminate and to corrupt the real instructions that God gives in His Bible? And even if these man-made rules have worked well before in the past, there is no guarantee that and there is every possibility that they are not going to be the same for the future circumstances because the future changes are so great coming to the world that there is really no old rules, old structures, especially those laid down by men that can accurately predict and know the solution for the future. And that scenario that I described to you is the scenario that Gideon faces in Judges 8. He was nobody special, just like you and I. In fact, he was kind of timid. He was just busy grinding, grinding work, trying not to be high profile, trying not to offend anybody when God spoke to him. And in fact, God had to speak to Gideon numerous times before Gideon would pluck up sufficient courage to start doing what God asked him to do. In Judges 8, Gideon and his army, they started to confront the Midianites' enemy who was subjugating Israel. Gideon's army had several skirmishes with the Midianite. 
Um, because God was with them and God instructed them what to do, they started to have victories in the skirmishes. So Gideon's army started to push back the agenda of the Antichrist and started to reclaim parts of the land that belongs to God, setting free and delivering the people on these lands that belongs to God. So you would think that the Israelites, the Christians, they would thank Gideon because Gideon and his 300 fighting men started to confront the evil and started to have victory in little spaces where the Israelites could not and dare not challenge their captors. But you will be amazed and you need to be aware of this, that the church, when they saw Gideon and the new wine starting to have all these breakthroughs, all these small victories building up, as they started to move for God, you did not get the thanks, you did not get the gratitude, you did not get the support of the churches, just like what happened in Israel. Gideon came from the tribe of Manasseh. And in Judges 8, the tribe of Ephraim, as you know, Manasseh and Ephraim, they were the sons of Joseph. When their grandfather anointed them into tribes of Israel. And Ephraim represents the brother in the church. The ones that has always been working in the church, doing the things of God, being the leader. But when Gideon from Manasseh started to rise up, started to overturn the demonic structures, started to walk in the anointing of God, his brother in the tribe of Ephraim, the church, did not approve of it, did not help him, did not congratulate him, did not support him. In fact, look at what the Bible says the men of the tribe of Ephraim said to Gideon. They said, and I'm quoting here, What is this terrible thing that you have done to us? Why didn't you call us when you want to fight against the Midianites? So there's this accusatory attitude. What are they preoccupied with? Like they are not in the know. They don't have the latest information. They need to be the leaders. They need to be at the forefront of this movement. So they blame Gideon for not informing them. But see, these are from the tribe of Ephraim. They had a responsibility like Gideon to listen to the voice of God and do the things of God. But all these years that they have been serving God, they had not done this. That was why a weak Israel fell into apathy and could be easily overcome by their aggressors. Now look at Gideon's responses to them because he was still in the middle of battle with his army. His response was kind of diplomatic. Gideon in effect said that, Oh, like, don't mind me and the small little things that I'm doing. 
what you have done is far greater than anything that I have done for God. And he draws attention to what they have done in their service for God. Look, like you have served in the usher ministry, you have set up this flowers committee, you have volunteered on these events, you took part in all these charity works. Oh, you're far greater than me, and you have done so many things. You're so commendable. Hearing the praises of Gideon, and that Gideon diverted the attention to these men, their accomplishments. See what happens to them. The man immediately loses their annoyances. Their egos were stroke. They felt good. That was all that they were preoccupied with. And they stopped harassing Gideon. They stopped kicking up a big fuss because they felt good about themselves and what they have done. Have you met people like this? You will start to see them when the shaking continues. And in essence, what does it mean? It means that in all these new things that Gideon is doing, these people of Ephraim, they are not interested in what is the real message of God. They are most concerned with all these that you do. How is it going to make me look? It's going to make me, the brother, look bad. Make sure that you do not do anything to rock the boat to make me look bad over all the past efforts that I have done. So they are concerned with protecting their own past accomplishments and maintaining their ego over finding out what is this new thing that God is doing. God also pointed out in the Bible there is another type of people as to how they will respond. In verse 4, in the second skirmish with the Midianite enemy, who is now fleeing away from Gideon's army, Gideon and his army is pursuing the Midianites' enemies. And they pass by the town of Sukkot. And because they are still fighting the enemy, Gideon asked the men of Sukkoth to give some food to give dinner to his men because they are exhausted and tired. Now the town of Sukkoth is within the Israel land. So Gideon and his army are really fighting for their land, including Sukkoth, and helping the Sukkoth to deliver their land from their oppressors. But note the response of the men of Sukkoth. Even when asked for help by the new wine, there will be men of Sukkoth who will not lift a finger to help. They will say, Oh no, I don't think that I can help you. Because this clash between the old and new wine, I haven't decided my side yet because they didn't hear from God, so they didn't know which side to choose. I'm just going to sit on the fence 
and watch how these unfold. And their motivation is really self-preservation. They are Christians, but they didn't seek God or hear from Him, nor are they willing to do so when they start to see people like Gideon's armies rise up. And they really just want to be safe. And they said, I can't support you because what if you didn't make it? What if you didn't accomplish what you said God asked you to do? Then I may burn my bridges with the old wine. If I help you now, I may not be able to go back and continue my comfortable position in the old structure. Oh, no, no, I'm going to be the smart one. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to watch. I'm going to wait and see. And when I see which side is winning, then I'm going to jump off the fence and pretend to integrate myself with the winning side so that I'll be unharmed. Do you know what is Gideon's response to the men of Sukkot when they gave him this answer? He said, We are in the middle of the battle, but after when God delivers the enemy into our hands, we are going to return and we are going to cane you. We're going to discipline you as a father disciplines a wayward child to teach you that this is not the way to behave in the house of God. Sons of Ephraim care about their own ego and reputation. Men of Sukkot, waiting to watch and see, denying to help their brothers and sisters in Christ, looking to see which side wins so that they can change their allegiance to the winning side. Now, true brothers and sisters in Christ, you must understand that it's not about blaming these brothers and sisters who are not aware or who are old wine. You must understand that our focus is not on division, not on turf, not on power, not even about building our own reputation or our own careers. I want to direct all our focus and attention back to Jesus Christ of Nazareth and His kingdom. It's not for Gideon you're fighting. It is for the freedom of Christ that you fight. For people who are destined to be in His kingdom to know about His love for them and His saving solutions for their problems. So in summary, the lessons of Judges 8 that we learned, if you're doing something that you feel that God called you to do, do not expect thanks or gratitude from the church. That's fine. That is not what you are after anyway. You're not after recognition or thanks or gratitude. You only want to be obedient to God. And for the many who are contemplating 
whether they should be sons of Ephraim, getting all worked up, getting all anxious. How is this going to affect my reputation? Or the man of Sukkoth, I'm going to watch and see. Let it all play out. God is not unaware of your thoughts. That's why he has detailed it in the Bible. I want to thank all my listeners for following with us on this journey. Even as we are reporting from the field, as this situation is unfolding over the future months, this channel has so many American supporters. I am really touched. Even as many things have happened to your country on the surface in a political scene, I know that there are so many remnant hidden away on the soils of America that love God. Come on guys, start getting your house in order. It's an exciting time. Changes, movement, sifting, qualifying, tests. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Until we speak again the next time. So looking forward. Goodbye.